Let's pray together this morning. Heavenly Father, God, I pray, God, in this place, God, that you would give us faith. Lord, that we would trust you more. And God, I pray specifically for anyone who's here this morning, God, who that song is just speaking to them in the midst of their brokenness, God. Lord, that you are a God who wants to work in and through their lives. And God, I pray for anyone who's here who currently lacks the faith, God, that in the midst of their brokenness, God, that you could work in and through them. God, I pray that in this moment, God, in this time together, Lord, that you would speak the truth, God, that you would give them faith, Lord, to trust that with you, God, all things are possible. God, that with you, God, that you have a purpose for their life that you want to reveal to them this morning, God. And so we pray this together in faith. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Hey, good morning, church. Uh, My name is Ken, and uh, I am the pastor of our local and global outreach and also one of the teaching pastors here. And this week with the Dodgers uh, down three to one in the World Series, people are already laughing. Oh, and then the Angels fans making some noise here. Boo. Uh, Baseball's not my thing, but um, Pastor Bill, um, he has been through the ringer this week, and so we, we asked him not, the staff came together and said, Pastor Bill, we don't think you're emotionally in a place to preach this week, so I stepped in to fill in. So if you see him crying, it's not because of the music this morning, it's because he's praying desperately, God, will you do a miracle and help, help the Dodgers win uh, tonight? So I would encourage you to join him in that prayer uh, today. <laughs> Well, hey, as I said, my name is Ken, and I had uh, grown up in Winnipeg, Canada, and so my family, uh, we would try to escape the frigid, freezing cold winters. Uh, Both my parents are teachers, and so they would get the two-week break at Christmas time, and so we would drive to Florida every year. My grandparents, uh, being uh, good retired Canadians, they would go to Florida, um, as many come, you know, to Southern California as well, and so they would go to Florida every um, winter, and so we would go for the Christmas break. And uh, I'm the youngest of four boys, so a family of six, as my parents are both teachers, we didn't have the finances to fly there, but we wanted to get there as fast as we possibly could. And so we would take my, my mom's minivan, and my dad's role was to drive, and uh, my mom's role was to navigate, and then me and my brothers, I'm the youngest of four boys, uh, our role was to ask the question that kids always ask on a long drive, are we there yet, right? And just annoy your parents. And so uh, we would drive 33 hours, and we would try to get from point a, Winnipeg, Canada, freezing cold winter, to point B, uh, Florida, the, the beautiful beaches of Florida, as quickly and as pain-free as possible. And, and so we would not take hotels, we would drive straight. And by we, I mean my dad would drive straight, 33 hours, and so we would only stop for gas breaks. And if you were hungry or you needed to go potty, you would stop every four hours at our gas break, and that was your opportunity to do those two things. And so you might be wondering, well, what if you had to go to the bathroom, and you're about two hours from a gas stop? Here's a cup, son. Pee in the cup. We are not stopping until we get to the gas stop, okay? And so, so we would go as fast as we possibly could, but it didn't always work out that well. Because sometimes uh, we might get a, a, a tire that might blow out. And so we'd have to, you know, put on a spare tire, go to the next town, uh, get the tire fixed, and get back on the road. And so it might slow down our our 33-hour drive. Or other times there might be construction, we'd have to do detours. Other times there might be storms, and and so we'd have to drive slowly, or we'd have to maybe take a different route because of, of you know, avoiding where the storm was. And so there there were obstacles, and it wasn't always a a smooth and pain-free ride from point A to point B. 
And isn't that kind of how life is, though? Sometimes that we want to go from point A to point B, and it can get messy in the middle, can't it? Maybe for you, that's marriage. Maybe you thought, you know, I want a smooth ride from point A to point B, and so it was like start dating, and then dating would lead to engagement, would lead to marriage, would lead to happily ever after. And then along the way, you, from point A to point B, maybe you experienced some breakups, maybe um, you experienced divorce, maybe you experienced death. And it's not always a smooth and easy ride from point A to point B. Maybe for you it's with career. That you had, you know, gone to college and, and, and you majored in something and you thought, okay, I'm going to get an entry-level job in that field and then maybe 10, 15 years, uh, work my way up the ladder and, and by my mid-30s, I'm going to have the dream job, the job I always had wanted. I'm going to be on, on top of the corporate ladder and life got messy and it didn't work out as you planned. There's sometimes some unexpected turns in our lives, aren't there? Maybe for you, it was, it was stepping into a new place. You moved, maybe a new school, a, a new neighborhood, a new job, a new area. And you thought, you know what, I'll, I'll make some friends. It'll be great. And, and time went by, and it, it wasn't as smooth. It was a little more messy than you thought. And you're looking around at your life, and you thought, man, there were some unexpected things along the way. I thought it would go easier than this. Well, that's what the Apostle Paul experienced in the passage that we're going to look at today. It wasn't a smooth ride from point A to point B. And so this morning, we're going to close out our series called For the Sake of the World. And over the last two months, we have followed the Apostle Paul and his companions on three missionary journeys. As they go throughout the the first century, the, the Roman world, sharing the gospel of Jesus, sharing Jesus with people who had not yet heard the good news. And in this series, God has been challenging you and me, all of us, to consider what does it look like for us to live on mission for the sake of the world in the places and in the people that God has placed us in our lives today. And so this morning, we are going to conclude this series. And what we're going to see is that Paul arrives at a place that he has always wanted to go. He's talked about it. He's dreamed about it. And Paul arrives in a place called Rome. And now Paul had written a letter to the Romans. Uh, We have it in our Bibles. He had wanted to go there, prayed about going there, talked about going there. And finally, Paul arrives in Rome. What we see on the, the screen here is in Acts 28, verse 14, it says these six words. And so we came to Rome. Everybody say those words with me. And so we came to Rome. Those six small words make a huge understatement. Because they don't do justice to the journey that it took for Paul to arrive at Rome. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to take us to Jerusalem where Paul's journey begins, his journey to Rome begins. And I want us to walk us through what it took to get to Rome. And it's going to be a little bit like when you watch uh, a movie that begins with the end. You know, you watch a movie and it begins with a clip uh, of the end of the movie and you're like, what is this? What's going on? And then they back up like three days or they back up three years and then they tell you the whole story. And then the movie ends back at that same scene and you're like, oh, it makes sense now. Oh, I get it. There's context. We're going to do that this morning. We're going to look at Paul's route to Rome. That's the title of the message this morning is The Route to Rome. Now, if you say root, roots are for trees, okay? And I don't want to start a debate this morning, but I have the microphone. So this morning, it's the route to Rome, the route to Rome. What was Paul's route to Rome? And so what we see is that it begins 
in Jerusalem. Actually, before that, two weeks ago, if you were here, Pastor Justin shared a message, and I shared at the HB campus a message um, about how Paul, on his third missionary journey, he is traveling to Jerusalem, and he makes a pit stop at Ephesus. And he meets with the Ephesian leaders. And they're saying to him, Paul, if you go to Jerusalem, you're probably going to get arrested. And what was Paul's response? Paul said, I'm willing to not only be arrested, I'm willing to die for the sake of the gospel. And so Paul ends up traveling to Jerusalem, and thankfully he doesn't die, but he does get arrested. He's falsely accused by the Jewish leaders, and he is brought before the Roman commander, and he is placed in chains. And on his second night in chains in Jerusalem, uh, God speaks to him. Jesus appears to him in his prison cell and says these words in Acts 23. It's on the screen here for you. The following night, the second night that Paul is in chains in Jerusalem, the Lord Jesus stood near Paul and said, Take courage. As you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. Jesus says to him, as you have declared the good news of Jesus in Jerusalem, and you've stood up and boldly proclaimed the gospel, he said, you're going to do the same thing in Rome. Jesus makes him this promise. Now, there's just one problem. Paul is in chains. And Paul is in Jerusalem, which happens to be 2,997 miles away from Rome. So how is Paul going to get there? He can't just hop on a flight. He can't just catch a red eye and fly to Rome. And he is in chains. So what happens next? Paul is transferred from Jerusalem to Caesarea, which is 70 miles away. He is transferred there, and he is placed in in prison uh, by the governor, Felix. Paul sits in prison for two years. Now, if you're anything like me, you're reading through the Bible, and you read that, and you just kind of move on to the next sentence. But I want to slow down there for a moment. Paul sits in prison for two years in Caesarea. He's 70 miles from Jerusalem, two years. So at this pace, 83 years later, he's going to arrive in Rome, okay? It's, it's a long time. He's sitting there, and he's waiting, Now, two years is a long time. That's how long it should take to get an associate's degree from Golden West College or OCC. That's how long it should. I know some of us do the five-year plan or whatnot, but two years you can get a degree, uh, an associate's degree from school. That's a long time. Two years. That's how long it takes from an infant, brand-new baby for them to grow up to begin to be uh, talking and walking and driving their parents crazy as little toddlers. Okay, two years is a long period of time. And Paul sits in prison for two years. Now, I want to ask you this question. How patient are you when God makes a promise to you? How patient are you with God's promises in your life? Jesus has promised you're going to preach, you're going to share Jesus in Rome. And then Paul sits for two years in prison. But Paul continues on in faith, trusting God. And the Roman governor, Felix, he gets replaced by a guy named Festus. I call him Festus the Bestus. And last week, um, Pastor Bill shared a message about how Paul went before him and, and uh, King Agrippa and, and testified and shared why he was in chains. He shared the good news of Jesus and, and that he had preached the gospel of Jesus and that he had done nothing wrong. He was just telling people about Jesus. And in that appeal, Paul makes an appeal to Rome. As a Roman citizen, Paul had the right to say, I want to go to the Supreme Court, which happened to be the court in Rome. And so Festus agrees to this, puts Paul on a boat, and Paul begins to sail to Rome. And then we read the words, the six words, and so we came to Rome. 
No, that's not what happened. Actually, that's not, 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 there's, there's in between point A and point B, Paul experienced a little bit of turbulence. And so I want to turn there with you to Acts chapter 28, verse 1. Please grab a Bible. There's some in the, the pew rack in front of you. It's on page 1124 in those Bibles. You can turn in your Bible app, Acts 28, beginning in verse 1. And we're going to look at 14 verses together, but I will walk us through it slowly. So keep your Bible open as we take a look at Paul's route to Rome. Before we dive in, into the passage, what we see is Paul gets on this boat. He's a prisoner, and they begin to sail. And as they are sailing, um, they get into some choppy weather, and, and, and they are at a port. And so Paul gives his opinion. Paul gives his advice, and he tells them that we should not continue on. If we continue on, the, boy, the boat's going to get destroyed, and, and we're going to lose some lives. But the, the captain of the ship and the owner of the ship, they say, Paul, you don't know what you're talking about. And so they set out and, and they, they make the dumb decision to go against what Paul's saying and to continue on. And so as they continue on, they get uh, enveloped by this storm. And they spend a few weeks in the storm and they are pretty confident that they're all going to die. But instead of dying, they wash up on shore. The boat breaks, they wash up on shore at some unfamiliar island, some strange place they've never been before. And so now we pick up in Acts 28, verse 1, as they discover where they are. Once safely on shore, after the shipwreck, we found out that the island was called Malta. So they discover this island, the name of it is Malta, and the name Malta means refuge. And I got to imagine, after spending weeks at sea, thinking that you are about to die, you're not going to make it through the storm, that it was a refuge for them, that they were pretty glad to be washed up on shore on this island called Malta. And so verse 2, it says this, the islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. The, the word there, islanders, in the Greek, it's, it, 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 they make it sound nice in the NIV here, but the word is actually barbarians. Okay, the barbarians. And that was what anyone who was Greek-speaking, they would call people who didn't speak Greek. These are barbarians. They don't speak our language. They're unfamiliar people. They speak an unfamiliar language. And so Paul finds himself washed up on shore at some strange island that they discover the name of it is Malta with strange people who don't speak the same language with him. He is stuck on an island called Malta that he was not planning on going to. And they're in this strange place, and they're stuck. And so I want to ask you, have you ever been to Malta? Now, I'm not saying literally, have you vacationed in Malta? Have you ever, figuratively, have you ever been to Malta? I want to show you Malta on a map. We'll, we'll all look over here on the right together. And I get to use one of these cool laser things. All right. All right, so over here, this is Jerusalem. This is where Paul was arrested. This is Caesarea, where he was imprisoned for two years. He gets on a boat here. And he follows this red line. This is where they're traveling. And then this is where they get in a storm. And they're trying to go to Rome, which is up here. This is the destination. This is, this is point B where they're wanting to go. But they end up right here at Malta, a place that they aren't really familiar with, a place that they accidentally wash up on shore. Their boat breaks apart. They got lost in the storm here. They're supposed to go here, but they make this detour, and they find themselves washed up on the little island, you can barely see it, called Malta. It's about the size of Catalina. I want to ask you, have you ever been to Malta? Have you ever been to a place that you never planned on going? 
Have you ever made a detour in your life into a season or place that you never wanted to experience in the first place? My family, after we had moved to California from Canada, uh, we now would make the reverse trip. And so we would go in the summer, very strategically, we'd not go back in the winter, we'd go in the summer, and we would drive from San Jose, California to Winnipeg, Canada, once again, about 33-hour uh, drive, and we would not fly, we would take the minivan, and we would drive straight through the night, point A to point B, to get there as fast as we possibly could. Well, one year, my mom's minivan broke down in Elko, Nevada. Raise your hand if you've been to Elko. Okay, keep your hand up if you went to Alco on vacation. One person. One person went on vacation there. You're the first person I met. You went through it on vacation. Okay. The only reason to go to Alco is to uh, stop and get gas and use the potty and get some food. Okay, so that's, that's usually why we stop in Alco. But this time, our, car, our van broke down uh, fairly close to there. So we got towed in. And uh, they didn't have the part for the minivan. And so we had to have it shipped in from the East Coast. And so we spent five nights in Alco in like a Motel 6 that didn't even have a pool. Okay, so this was not vacation. Me and my brothers are just sitting there in a hotel room waiting, waiting, waiting. We were stuck in Alco. That's Malta. That's Malta. It's, it's being stuck in a place that you didn't even want to experience in the first place. That's Malta. It's being uh, between point A and point B when you get blown off track, shipwrecked, and you find yourself in an unfamiliar place with unfamiliar people experiencing something that you never wanted to experience in the first place. Have you ever been to Malta? Malta is the layoff that you didn't see coming. Malta is the relationship that you didn't see ending. Malta is the loved one that you lost too soon. Malta is the MRI results that you didn't expect. Malta is the emotional place that you never dreamed you'd be in, Dodger fans. (laughs) Just trying to be relevant, people. Just trying to be relevant. Malta is the emotional place that you never thought you'd be in. On a serious note, You knew other people were depressed. You knew other people who suffered anxiety. And you never thought that you'd experience that in your own story. Malta is that place where you feel stuck. Malta is that that place where you're 31 and single. Malta is that place where you're 51 and single. Malta is that place where you're empty nesters. Kids have finally grown up and moved out. And it's a strange and unfamiliar season. Church, have you ever been in Malta? Paul found himself in Malta. What do you do when you realize you've found yourself in Malta? What do you do when you find yourself in a place that you didn't even want to be in in the first place? Well, Paul shows us. In verse 3, what we, we begin to see is that Paul, that they've, they've put a, on a bonfire, for the locals have put a bonfire together, and Paul wants to help out. He doesn't want to just be the preacher that uh, doesn't assist and help out in any way, which in fact, uh, this coming Friday, I'm going to help lead a trip down to Mexico, and we will build a house for a pastor down there. And by we, I mean the team will. And here's what I will do. In case you come on the trip, I just want to confess to our whole church right now, I will do very little to no work at all. My, my job is to walk around and talk. How are you doing? How are things going? And, uh, and, and I really don't do 
uh, much work at all. And people would be like, hey, why don't you pitch in? And I'm like, I'm a pastor. It's Friday. We only work Sundays. We work one day a week, you know. <laughs> so Paul does not want to encourage, you know, he's a preacher. He's like, but he's like, I don't want to encourage that kind of thing. Like, so he wants to pitch in. He wants to help out. And so he starts to collect some firewood. Let's look, look together at verse 3. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood. And so he's wanting to help out with the fire. And as he put it on the fire, a viper, a venomous snake, driven out by the heat, fastened itself on his hand. Let's just recap here. God, Jesus, promised Paul that he was going to go to Rome. Paul gets arrested for preaching about Jesus in Jerusalem. He spends two years in prison, and he's innocent. He didn't do anything wrong. Then he gets placed on a boat. Then they don't listen to his advice, so he gets shipwrecked and deserted on an island that he never wanted to be on in the first place. And then just when he gets to the bonfire, like they're pulling out the s'mores, the hot cocoa, and he's like, finally I've made it to safety. Like finally, ah, just when he thinks he's made it on safe ground, he goes and he's helping out. He picks up some, some wood to help out with the fire. And what do you know? He gets bit by a venomous snake. Like, can't this guy catch a break? Like, when it rains, it pours. You ever been there in your life? Like, can't I just get a break? And even the people on the island, these islanders, they're like, dude, this guy must be, like, jacked up. Like, this guy had to have done something really terrible because although he escaped the sea, now the gods have really gotten him, and a snake came and bit him and is going to kill him. We see this in verse 4. Follow along with me. When the islanders saw the snake dangling from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer. He must have done something terrible. For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. Verse 6, the people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting around a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, They changed their minds and said he was a god, which is just very strange. So here's Paul. Why has God allowed all of these things to happen? Why has God allowed him to go through all of this adversity? Why has God allowed all this pain and difficulty and this detour to Malta and he gets bit by a venomous snake? Why does God allow him to go through all this? Because God had a plan. Because God had a mission for Paul on Malta. And let me just say that the pain that you are going through, the the suffering that you might be experiencing in the midst of being in a season that's unfamiliar, a season that is strange, a season that you didn't even want to be in in the first place, that it might be possible that God has a purpose in that pain, that God has a mission for you on Malta. You see, Paul's pain, the fact that he got bit by the snake and then the people were like, nothing happened, maybe he's a god. He catches the attention of the chief official of the island. And we see in verse 7 that he gets invited, him and his friends get invited to hang out there. Verse 7, there was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, which if you are looking for a baby name, no one's taken this one yet, so (laughs) it's up for grabs. Publius, the chief official of the island, he welcomed us to his home. And showed us generous hospitality for three days. And then we see this in verse 8. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. And I believe this is the moment when Paul began to realize that God had a purpose for him. That God had a mission for him on Malta. 
that all of this was not for nothing. And so we see Paul goes in, and in verse 8, the second half of it, it says this, Paul went in to see the chief official's father who has been sick. He's got the Malta fever, and he's been sick, ongoing sick. And Paul goes in to see him, and after prayer, it says, placed his hands on him. And don't you love that? That the same hand that was struck by a venomous snake, the same hand that experienced suffering, is the same hands that God used to heal the chief official's father. It says, when he had placed his hands on him and healed him. And then when word of this spread around the island, when this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. The whole island gets healed. The whole island gets healed because Paul had a mission on Malta. Now, what if God has a mission for you on Malta? What if you might feel stuck, but God has actually stationed you there for a season? On your route to Rome, God has you intentionally in Malta. When I think about this, I was thinking about this this week, I remember the story of Amber and Robert Crosby. Uh, in April at our Risen series, we had different people share their testimonies. And one of those was uh, Amber Crosby shared how her and her husband, they've got four kids and they live in a two-bedroom apartment. For 11 years, they have lived in a two-bedroom apartment at Beachwood Apartments. And so they began praying years ago, God, would you get us out of here? Because as you can imagine, six people in a two-bedroom apartment, two adults and four kids, it's not ideal. And so they began praying, God, would you get us out of these apartments? Essentially, God, would you get us out of Malta? But a few years ago, we uh, did a prayer series. And through that series, uh, Pastor Bill began to talk about Uh, how God has called us to be a blessing to the people around us. And at the end of that series, we had put up a map that had Huntington Beach, Fountain Valley, and and the surrounding communities. We invited people to take a push pin and to place a pin on that map where they felt like God was calling them to be a blessing. And so the Crosbys came forward, and we have a picture of it. They placed that pin at Beachwood Apartments, the place that they had been praying, God, would you get us out of this place? God, would you get us out of this two-bedroom apartment? And they put that pin there and began praying for their neighbors. And their mindset shifted from, God, would you get us out of this place, to, God, would you keep us patient? And while we're here, would you use us to be a blessing in these apartments? And their intentionality and their prayerfulness has resulted in multiple families and multiple individuals coming to faith in Jesus, being baptized, and becoming a part of our church family here. You see, God might have a mission for you in Malta. Now, what I'm not saying is the reason or the cause that got you on Malta. I'm, what I'm not saying is, is, is the reason or cause for why you're experiencing the season and this pain. It might be one of three things that all start with D. It could be the devil. It might be the devil Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the season that you're going through might be because the enemy has tried to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. He might be the source of the suffering and the pain you're going through. It might be the devil. Secondly, it might be a decision. It might be a bad decision you've made. Or it might be a bad decision someone else has made that has gotten you to this place. That's what happened with Paul. Paul was like, let's not sail on. Let's stay here for the winter. And they made a dumb decision that Paul didn't get to decide, but it impacted his life. And maybe that's happened to you. 
It might be the devil. It might be a decision that you've made or someone else has made. But also it might be God's divine hand, God's divine appointment for you. Regardless of the cause, I don't know what has got you here. I'm not going to tell you what has gotten you here to this place. But regardless of the cause, I believe that God wants to use you right where he has you. I believe that God wants to work through your life, even if you find yourself on Malta. Even if you find yourself in a place you never wanted to be. You see, God is so strategic. And God wants to work through your life. And that's why we've been doing this series for the sake of the world. That I believe that regardless of where you are in your life, that God wants to work in and through you right where he has you. And to quit waiting for your circumstances to be perfect, quit waiting till you get to Rome, and to begin to say, God, could you use me? And to believe that God could use you. Have the faith that God could use you right where he has you right now. You see, Paul never wanted to be on Malta, but found himself washed up on shore there. And instead of complaining about his circumstances, Paul decided to ask God, what do you want to do while I'm here? God, how can I pray for these people? And God used Paul to heal all the sick on the island. So Paul spent three months on Malta, and then they got on a new boat, and they sailed on towards Rome. Let's read these last verses in verse, beginning of verse 11. It says this, after three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship. And so Luke begins to describe this ship with the figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pollux. We put out in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. Verse 13, from there we set sail and arrived at Regium, which is on the south part of Italy. The next day, the south wind came up, and on the following day, we reached Putioli. And you have to say it like this, like a real Italian. Putioli, okay? That's how, that's how you pronounce it with your hand. There, there we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them. They found some Christians. They spent a week with them. And so we came to Rome. And so we came to Rome. Paul, what was his route to Rome? Paul arrives, the most powerful preacher, the most powerful evangelist in the first century. He arrives in the most powerful city in the empire, Rome. And what does Paul do there? For the next two years, he is in chains under house arrest, and he preaches the good news of Jesus, and he writes letters. He writes at least four letters uh, to the churches and to individuals that we have in our Bibles. And, And Paul spends the next two years in the most powerful city in the empire. What is he doing? He's living on mission. And every step of the journey, every step of the route to Rome, whether it was getting arrested in Jerusalem or spending two years in Caesarea and then, and then getting placed on a boat, going through a storm, getting shipwrecked, getting lost on an island that he didn't even want to go to in the first place. What does Paul do every step of the way? He lives on mission. He looks for every detour, every obstacle, every uh, distress in his life. He goes, God... This might be an opportunity. This might be an opportunity for the sake of the world. Every time he's pulled into court to go before a ruler and he's in chains, what does he do? He tells him about Jesus. He preaches about Jesus. He shares the good news for the sake of the world. And that's what he does in Rome. Every step of the journey, Paul lived on mission for the sake of the world. Every detour became an opportunity. Every new person he met became an opportunity. And so... Here's the big idea this morning. I want to invite you to write this down. That for the sake of the world, trust God's route. 
for the sake of the world, for the sake of the people around you all over the world who do not yet know Jesus, who do not yet follow Jesus, who do not yet have the relationship with Jesus where they are walking in faith with him and experiencing the love and the joy of the Holy Spirit coming into their lives. For the sake of the world, trust God's route. Trust his route to Rome in your life, even in the detours, even in the difficulties, even when you find yourself washed up on Malta. Because God just might have a mission for you on Malta. As the band comes and gets in place, I want to ask you this question as we respond together. I want you to reflect on this. Where does God's route currently have you sharing the good news? Where does God's route of your life, as he leads your life, as you're going from point A to point B, and, and God is leading and guiding you, where does God's route currently have you sharing the good news? And my hope and prayer is that God has been speaking to you this morning, but my hope and prayer is that you would also reflect, what has God done over these last two months if you've been with us in this journey through this series? What has God been stirring up in your heart? Who has he been calling you to? What places, what people has God been stirring up your heart? Have you been realizing wait, why has God placed this guy or this girl in my life? Why has God placed me in this job? Why has God placed me in this school? Why is this person in my sphere of influence? And for the sake of the world, would you trust God's route? That is my prayer. My prayer is that for the sake of the world, you would trust God's route and live on mission right where he has you, even, even if you find yourself on Malta. Let's pray together for that. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, I pray, God, as we respond in your worship and in your praise, Lord, our heart and desire is that whether it's across the street, across the school, whether it's in our family, whether, God, you are calling us and leading us to a new place, a new neighborhood, a new city, a new venture, God, wherever we find ourselves, even if it's unfamiliar, uncomfortable, God, would we be people of faith who would worship you, glorify you, make your name known, God, so that all people, all people, God, would get the opportunity to declare your praise and to know your son, Jesus. So, Lord, we pray for that this morning. We pray that we would be people, God, who would live on mission for the sake of of the world. Pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Would you stand with us as we respond in worship?